Hey everyone, this is the Stay at Home Mom Yeah Right Podcast. You are about to listen to my mom. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like it, please give it five stars. Thank you. Hey friend, and welcome to the Stay at Home Mom Yeah Right Podcast. I'm Sarah Smith, your host, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Natalie Rita, she is a certified transformational life coach, master NLP practitioner, master clinical hypnotherapist, stage four cancer survivor, and busy mom to a rambunctious toddler and a newborn. Natalie fuses her personal experiences and extensive training to guide and empower women on transformative healing journeys where they conquer life's challenges, develop a positive mindset, and create lives they adore. Welcome to my podcast, Natalie. How are you today? I'm so very well. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to speak with me. I appreciate you. Tell me how life has been for you and your family post-COVID-19 restrictions. Honestly, COVID was my best year yet because it was the year that I was officially cancer-free. So for me, it was great. I mean, it was hard having my son during COVID because I am a Brit living in Germany. My family didn't get to meet Charlie until he was six months old. Since then, having everything lifted and then having my second child, it's like a completely different experience. I feel like revived and renewed and I can go out and I can do like the mummy baby groups and I can connect with people. And it's just such a different vibe, but it was really nice during COVID in a way to have that that time with the family and celebrating the fact that I was also cancer free. So yes, that's yeah. huge. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. As you said, in 2017, four weeks before your mm-hmm. birthday and four months before your wedding, you were diagnosed with cancer and now you're a two-time stage four cancer survivor. Can you share your story? Yeah. So Yeah, in December 2017, completely out of the blue, I went for um, a colonoscopy and was told that I had colon cancer. And it really took me by surprise. I thought I had maybe polyps or something, but I was not prepared for colon cancer, especially because like when you hear colon cancer, you think that's something that old people get, right? I was 31. Wow. So yeah, it was a really, really tough time. And I had chemo and I had surgery but I rejected radiation because the radiologist was like, hey, we would basically nuke your womb. It's in such proximity to the area they would need to radiate that I was like, well, you know, I'm getting married. I want to have children. I, I don't want to give up the opportunity to have a child. So that was a really tough decision. And there was a part of me that did question during that the second time the cancer came back and they were told me I was stage four. There was a part of me that questioned it, but... I just had to go with my intuition and my gut. And now I am celebrating four years, no evidence of disease, and I have two beautiful children. Congratulations. Oh my goodness. Wow. What have you learned through your cancer journey? I would say that my biggest takeaway is that we cannot control what happens to us. We can only learn to control how we react to that. And that's where our power lies, whether it's Um, an illness or a redundancy at work, or you're having a really hard time being up, (laughs) sleep deprived with a newborn, like whatever the circumstances are, you can't control that, right? The only thing you can control is how you react to it. 
How has cancer affected your relationships? Oh, that's a good one. It has strengthened my relationship with my husband. I mean, at the time when I was first diagnosed, like it was before our marriage, right? So I was like, do you even want to marry me anymore? And he was like, babe, I'm going to promise to love you in sickness and in health. Just happens the sickness came before the vow. So that to me was amazing. And that has our relationship has gone to strength. And my bond with my children and my immediate family has been amazing. The flip side that most people don't talk about with cancer is you actually get ghosted by quite a few people, people that you thought would be like your ride or die, that they would be there through thick and thin, turn out to be fair weather friends or people that just can't process what you're going through. It's too confronting for them and it can be really lonely and really isolating. So yeah, relationships, you kind of find out who your true friends and family are. And it's heartbreaking in some instances, but it also means that you're narrowing down that circle of people who deserve to be in your life, right? Like if they're going to be there through the good times, they're there through the bad times. Those are the core group that you want to spend your moments with. Do you have any suggestions for people and how to support their loved ones who are going through a terminal illness? Yes. I would say the biggest thing is you can't fix it, right? We have this innate thing that when somebody's feeling sad or they're feeling down, we're like, oh, you know, stop crying. It'll be okay. Or everything will be all right. We try and minimize it. And then we offer suggestions. They don't need you to do that. What they need is for you to be like, I see you. I know that you're going through something terrible and it's not fair, but I'm here if you need something, whether that's to laugh, whether that's to cry, whether that's to pretend everything's fine and go and get margaritas. Or like, if you want to dive into what you're feeling, And going through, I'm here for you. Just knowing that that person is there is so powerful because going through cancer, your emotions are all over the place. And most of us, like, you know, you're not taught how to process these emotions. We don't have the emotional resilience. So when you're going through cancer, normally you bury down those feelings really deep and then they can pop up. And then, you know, you turn to like a little rage monster and you start banging off people's heads because you don't have a safe space to share what you're going through. So having someone who's like, hey, you know, I can be that safe space for you is so powerful. That's helpful. So you were told you couldn't have children and now you have two beautiful children. I Um, do. Can you talk about this, like what the doctors told you and how? Yeah. Yeah. So I was told it would be very difficult for me to be able to conceive a child naturally because of the chemotherapy and that I probably wouldn't be able to get pregnant without help. And I got referred to um, a specialist who had like tears in her eyes when she was like, I'm really sorry. Like we can't harvest your eggs. We can't do this. We can't do this. Anyway, I firmly believe in the law of attraction and in harnessing the power of our subconscious minds. And so I was really digging deep into holistic health and everything. And I have, uh, my friend is a potter, maybe this little pot, which is a pregnant lady. That's so cute. And I would like rub this belly and I would pray to like God, the universe and angels that I was open and ready to conceive, that I would be a good mom. I visualized having a child. Anyway, I got pregnant first time with my son, healthy baby. That's amazing. It was amazing. Everything was so smooth. And then before we decided we would have a second child, I went out and bought the cutest little girl's outfit. And I hung it in my wardrobe and every day I would open up the wardrobe and be like, I'm open and ready to receive a baby girl into my life. 
you're complete our family and I love you more than you could know. And we hadn't even started trying anyway. We did. The second time we tried, I got pregnant and I have a girl. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. What an amazing story and testimony. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah, I think it's the power of our thoughts is is absolutely incredible. I think, you know, I could have easily sat in the space of, I'm not going to be able to conceive. It's not fair. I'm really, you know, fallen into this dark spiral. But instead, I was like, well, I'm going to look for opportunities to reframe those thoughts. I'm not going to entertain the idea that I'm not going to be a mom because I have so much love to give. And I think like that's a value that you can use for anything in your life, no matter what you're going through. It's easy to get caught in a negative spiral. But when you stop yourself and you reframe those thoughts, you give so much power to yourself because like your brain can't tell the difference between real and imagined or the past and the present or the future. So it believes what you tell it to believe. Mm. So if you visualize success, if you act like it's already yours, then it will become yours. Like your mind will find opportunities to make it work, whether that is then you eating healthier. So you're the best version of yourself to being open to the opportunities of seeing specialist doctors or whatever it is. That's how you can manifest your dreams and your desires because you're moving towards it. You're becoming aligned with who you want to be. So good. How has your journey affected how you parent? Oh, it impacts everything. I am very mindful of the words that I use, how I talk around my children. I mean, I've had a lot of my own blocks with becoming a mom and setting up my own business and wanting to create a life for my children so that I don't have to go to a job and like stick them in childcare and never see them and feel guilty. I'm creating my own business so that I can have quality time. And so it's important to me that I show them how much I love them and that anything is possible, but to be careful of the words that we use. Like I grew up thinking we can't afford this or we can't do that. Or, you know, if I was crying, stop crying. There are people out there who've got worse than you. And when I was going through cancer, I realized I had no emotional resilience. Like I had no way of relating and processing emotions. I didn't learn that as a child. So that is involved with every interaction I have with my kids. I'm always looking at ways to talk positively about things, but also to be like, when my son, I mean, he's almost three, of course, he's going through the terrible twos and he's having this meltdown. Like it's my job as his mom to regulate my emotions and to be the calm to his chaos and not to fall into that chaos. But I don't tell him to stop crying or to shut up or, or whatever it is. I'm like, babe, it's okay. I get it that you're angry and you're upset and you're frustrated and you're feeling all of these big emotions. It's okay, but it's not okay to throw something at mummy or it's not okay to shout at daddy or whatever it is you're doing, but it's okay. You can get those emotions out. So I'm creating that safe space for him and saying, it's okay. Like your feelings are valid. You can feel your feelings. Yeah. And I think that that is, is really, really important to do. What have you learned from having had cancer and being a mother through your trials and tribulations? Mindset is everything. Really, it's, it forms your decisions on anything, how you get through the day, how you look at things. Even on my hardest days when I'm sleep deprived <laughs> because my daughter is teething, I feel so much gratitude for the blessings that I have in my life. To have a tribe, like honestly, going through COVID and not having a support network was really tough. 
So post-COVID and with my second child, I have got this amazing network of mums. I made some new mum friends. I'm really practicing self-care, which leads me to the third point. You cannot fill from an empty cup. You need to fill that cup up and come from a place of abundance, of overflow. Because when you are well-rested, when you are feeling good, you can give so much more to your family and it doesn't feel like a burden. You don't have that mum guilt. So self-care is not selfish, it is self-full. So those are my top things, mindset, connection with people, and self-care. Wonderful. You help women learn to release their stress, lose confidence, and manifest their dreams. What are some practical strategies and tools women can implement to give themselves more energy, feel happier, and more connected to their kids and partners? So I would say one of the first things is breathe. Mindful breathing is free. (laughs) And it's an amazing tool because when you are stressed, when you are feeling overwhelmed and you just cannot deal with one more thing, right? Your breathing is probably quite shallow. Your body is really tense and you're in this fight and flight mode. But by mindfully breathing, you could create what I like to call a pocket of peace for yourself. So you can just breathe. I like to call it the chill seeker. You breathe in through your nose, you hold for the mental count of three. And you exhale through the mouth and you just keep doing that just a few times. And you can even hold for the mental count of five or whatever feels comfortable for you. But when you're doing that, you're connecting to your body, to your breath. You're not thinking about the stress of the past, whatever moment that was. You're not worrying about problems from the future that haven't arised. You're just in that present moment. Your shoulders drop down. You feel more open. You feel more connected. And this is why when we say when you're angry, right, take a few deep breaths. Well, Mike, take more than a few. Create this little pocket of peace for yourself so that you can actually be in a better space to not be in that fight and flight mode and then really look at things. I'm like, okay, what's next? So that's like one practical thing. My second thing, affirmations and gratitude. I love, I love a good affirmation. I start my day every day with affirmations and gratitude for the blessings in my life. And and it sets me up right. Like, If you've ever woken up on the wrong side of bed, it's very easy to carry that energy into your day, right? So what if you created what your day is going to look like? You start the night before by setting your intentions like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to go exercise for 30 minutes, whether that's power walking or yoga or whatever it is you're going to do. Get your clothes up the night before, set yourself up for success. That's your intention. And then in the morning when I wake up, I say my blessings for the day. I say that I'm open and ready to receive every day in every way. I'm getting better, better and better, healthier and wealthier. I am radiant and I glow. It just rolls off the tongue. And I get up and I get dressed and I go out. (laughs) And that's it. Then it sets up my day. I've already achieved something. I feel great. And so when life's little moments come, you know, when you're running late for the bus or the car won't start or your kids decided that they're going to have like an accident and spill stuff everywhere as you need to leave, you're in a much better frame of mind (laughs) before you started. So I think that, yeah, that's something that you can do and implement and it's so easy. Now you talk a lot about positive mindsets. I do. How you can basically manifest your day or manifest your life. Can you talk more Mm -hmm. about that and how you got into doing that? Yes. So because having cancer was not enough, I had a near-death experience from complications from surgery. I had a septic abscess, but I also had a a one-in-a-million reaction to a painkiller I was taking that completely destroyed my immune system. And I was quarantined in hospital for like a month. And um, 
hovering between life and death. And like, obviously you can imagine it was really scary. But I just, I had this moment, this kind of like an out of body experience where I like, it's really hard to explain, but I just had this voice that was like, if you want to go, then it's your time to go. But if you want to stay, you have to do everything in your power to live a life of your dreams. And it's at that moment that I was like, you know what? I'm going to live. <laughs> Obviously, I did. I'm still here. But I remember the next morning when I spoke to uh, my doctor, he's like, I don't think you're taking it seriously. And he sent a psychiatrist to me because he thought I was, you know, Looney Tunes. <laughs> but I had this mindset of, no, I'm going to make it work. And that's why I delve into the world of like holistic health, law of attraction, gratitude. And it's, and it all ties in with the psychology of like the cognitive behavioral cycle, like our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings create our actions. So when I feel unworthy, when I feel that I'm not enough, that I'm not loved, that I'm a failure, these are the thoughts that are going in my mind, like I'm not enough, then I feel like I'm a failure. And so my action is, well, I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to do that. So for me, being told I probably wouldn't be able to have children, for example, when that thought came into my mind, I reframed it. And, and reframing all that is is taking whatever negative thing that you have just said to yourself and changing it into the positive. So I can't becomes I can. I'm going to try. Mm, we're going to delete that word try. Try means you're not going to do it, right? If someone is like, oh, I'm going to try and help you move house tomorrow, they're not turning up. You know that. They know that. So why would you say try to yourself for anything? If you eliminate try, then you're doing. And so by reframing what you're saying and what you're thinking, you start changing how you feel about things, things become possible, then your actions lead that way. I went and got a doctor's second opinion. I, I found different ways to eat healthier, to exercise more so that I could make sure that I was doing all the things I needed to do. I bought ovulation sticks. Do you know what I mean? Like there are different things that you can do regardless of what goal you're looking for, but it all comes from your mindset. It all comes from your thoughts. And it's not toxic positivity where you're pretending everything's fine when it's not. It's acknowledging when things aren't going so well and then finding ways to move through it. That's so good. I love that. I love that. If we could all live like that, that would be what a world this would be. Oh, it's a work in progress. Like it's, <laughs> it's not like, boom, overnight, I'm just like this guru and I'm really zen and everything's fine. Like I, you know, we all have our meltdowns and our moments. And I think that that is the biggest thing is like, there's no such thing of, as perfection. And as a perfectionist and a procrastinator, a former procrastinator, no. I realized that messy action is better than no action. You know, fear killed more dreams than anything else. So now I'm like, well, you know, I almost died. So I'm going to live fearlessly because I like my tomorrow is not guaranteed, but then neither is anybody's. And that's why I would love to to share with people and to empower people to realize like you only have one life. So why are you living small? Like, like what's stopping? What's the worst that can happen? Oh, it doesn't work out. Okay. Well, that's not failure. That's feedback. Get up, try again. My daughter is six months old and I'm watching her. She's trying so desperately to sit up and you know what? And she falls, but she gets up and she does it again and again. And like, this is kind of what we need to do. We just need to be like, okay, well, what's that next step? What's the next thing that I can do? And when you have a support network around you, who are your cheerleaders, then your success is inevitable. Absolutely. How can women feel confident enough to share their stories? It just starts by finding someone that you trust and you open up. 
that's it. I had a moment a few months ago. I was in floods of tears. It was like 3 a.m. I just posted um, a message on Facebook being like, I love my daughter so much, but I'm ready to throw out the window. I just can't, right? She just won't stop crying. And I'm so done. And I posted it and then eventually I fell asleep. But the next morning, I had so many people commenting on it, messaging me. I was like, I'm so glad you said it because I've been there. I've done, and like, all of a sudden you realize, okay, I'm not alone. Yeah. There are other people going out there. And by you opening up and being vulnerable, like that's not weak. That's courage. That's bravery. And by doing that, you're allowing a space for other women to share what they're going through. And that's where that community comes from. That's where that bond comes from. Because you're like, okay, this is normal. <laughs> I'm fine. They're fine. We're doing the best that we can with the tools and the resources and the knowledge that we have. And and that's the only thing you can do. Now you juggle a business, a toddler, an infant. How do you encourage mothers to prioritize self-care? And so what self-care is self-care? <laughs> self-care is at the top of my list and it didn't used to be. And I experienced kind of like a burnout. And so that's why I was like, you know what? It is vital. Now, when we think self-care, you know, you're probably thinking, I don't have time to go to the spa. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a spa day. I love to get my nails done. I love a massage. Who doesn't? But in reality, that's not quite practical, especially if you've got more than one child. So it's all about finding those pockets of peace, like whether it is spending the five minutes and doing your breathing technique, or it's like when I go for a walk, for example, if I'm dropping my son off to nursery, I do a walking meditation. I love it. It's like, it's so bright. It's not sitting there being like, oh, I'm walking. I'm concentrating on my feet, hitting the pavement, my breath, how it feels. Particularly now it's winter and I feel the cold, crisp air going into my lungs. I'm just thinking about my breathing, about my feet. And then if I want to, I can say my affirmations. It's all about finding things that work with your schedule. But the more you practice self-care, the more you do things that fill your cup, the easier it gets. So I love an adult coloring book. I find that it's also very mindful to just watch like my hands as I'm coloring in, choosing the colors, I'm listening to some music, I'm not thinking about anything. And really like stress and anxiety comes from either worrying about the past or about future problems. Neither of those things exist anymore or exist yet. So by being mindful, breath work, grounding techniques, affirmations, saying what you're thankful for, all of these little things that you can do, they fill your cup. So good. That was pretty much my last question. But I do also want to ask you, like, do you have any parting words, anything that you would like my audience to know? Yes. So I would say that you deserve to be happy, but you are the creator of your own destiny. And if you are struggling, then ask for help. There is no shame in asking for help. It's all about learning from others. And if you would like help, I would be more than happy to share all of my wisdom, my tips, my experience with you so that you can create a life that you love. And how can people find you? Yeah, I am on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Natalie underscore life coaching. Great. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for taking time out of your very busy schedule to speak with me today. I wish you all the best that life has Thank to offer you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Right back to you. Thank you. You 
have just listened to the Stay at Home Mom Yeah Right podcast with my mom. I hope you enjoy listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you liked it, please give it five stars. Thank you. Oh.